My colleagues advised me that here in Brussels I should start my presentation with a joke on the Brussels bureaucrats, but it turned out that it would violate uh, with the Article 13 of EU copyright legislation. So no jokes today, at least not at this point. Big international organizations, federations, and if it's appropriate to say, empires that don't like jokes. Uh, this little intermezzo, although in some ways highlights the reason why we are here. We prefer nation states and the idea of national sovereignty over empires and the rule of international organizations. This is the essence of, according to my understanding, of national conservatism movement, as a movement founder, Yoram Hazani, has said and written it many times. So it seems national conservatism and the idea of nation state are some ways connected and nowadays it is opposed by progressive and imperial set of ideas. I think the main reason behind this phenomenon is the concept of sovereignty. As conservatism is more an instinct than an idea, said by Sir Roger Scruton, to preserve, preserve someone's particular views, way of life and values, cultural sovereignty, Nation states are meant to preserve their territorial and political sovereignty. In this sense, it is not a surprise that today's progressives are in favor of the idea of internationalism and federalism. Progressives are eager to export their ideas, values, and the way of life everywhere in the world. So national conservatism and nation states are just obstacles that they should bypass. They usually see or describe nation states as an important, yet historically outdated, archaic political arrangement. They argue as follows. Over the course of history, humans always organized themselves in larger units, families, tribes, regions, nation states, and so on. If we follow this argumentation, history will lead to a politically unified humanity, so superstates, what has to say, empires, are the next step. But this logic is flawed. The concept of nation is much older than this idea, than this description of human history suggests. The progressive interpretation of history reads the international order based on nation states as something created after the 30-year war with the priest treaty of Westphalia in 1648. We should be stubborn to deny the fact that international order based on nation-states, was created by the Peace of Westphalia. But it is worth to examine the reasons that led to this development. The 30-year war, which in size and extent was comparable to the First World War, was fought on long religious divisions. The war was fought between Catholic and Protestant emperors, kings and princes. The war brought unprecedented devastation to Europe. Modern nation-state was created to prevent this from happening again. Modern nation state was supposed to be the common ground for human coexistence. Before this development, a French and a Spanish Catholic considered themselves closer to each other than to their Protestant fellow citizens. By the Peace of Westphalia, this has changed forever. The modern nation state meant and created a neut neutral place 
religious differences and other differences does not matter anymore. Catholic or Protestant can work for common political goals or can disagree in a civilized matter. But this does not mean that the idea of nation and national sovereignty does not predate the birth of international order based on nation states. You might have heard the joke about Hungarians that says, Hungarians are the only people who can go into a revolving door behind you and come out of it in front of you. So as a Hungarian, I will do just as the joke says, and I come up with the example of Hungary, clarifying what I wanted to say. Hungary was already founded as a nation state. When Hungarians entered the Carpathian Basin, the seven tribes of the Hungarian nation made a contract sealed by their blood that they are obliged to defend and preserve each other's freedom and independence. According to historians, not all the tribes were ethnically Magyars, but they set aside the differences and became a nation. This idea of common set of values and common history lasted for hundreds of years, and it still lasts. My point is, the international order based on the modern nation states was indeed created by the, by the peace agreement of Westphalia, but the concept of nation state is much older. In other words, nation state, the idea of national sovereignty and independence predates its legal codification. Therefore, nation state is not necessity of human development which expires or becomes obsolete in time but an inherent idea of human nature. The idea that claims a common language, a culture, mutually shared view of past and history has an inherent value which needs to be preserved for the future generations as well. Those progressives who oppose this idea, oppose the nation state, sovereignty, and this interpretation of conservatism mainly do it with practical arguments. They say that the nation-states cannot be competitive in the 21st century. Their economic output is too low, their population and their purchasing power, only a side note in the books of multinational corporations, their military power is negligible compared to the vast empires of the West and the East. <clears throat> These arguments are very well known and often accepted as valid. So what follows, I will argue that the nation states is more competitive even in the 21st century than empires, federalized countries, and so on. My first argument is about social cohesion. If you look at history, we see empires were never, were, were never able to create a common identity so strong that could prevent certain parts of the empire to be in unrest. Every empire has always in struggle with the localities, which defined the authority of the empire that conquered them. Separatist movements, freedom, freedom fights were an everyday thing. But these turbulences are only a sign of more problem, fundamental problem. Without common language, mutual shared history and values, the political decision making is almost impossible. Today's progressives, realize this fact, and they try to replace the national identity as social glue with their substance. This is what Jürgen Habermas calls constitutional identity. The idea claims that codified 
neutral rules of modern democracy can exert the same effect as national identity. Today we can see that it is not true. European societies are more divided and incoherent than ever before, which fact is really a political disadvantage. It is telling that even according to Eurobarometer, the European Union owns polling company, around 37% of the EU citizens saw European cooperation as fundamentally going to the wrong direction. And only the minority, a smaller minority, were saying that they are going to the right direction. In addition, just over half of the population thought that they would still, we would still have the European Union in 10 years. And 70, 27% said that it would not be there in um, 10 years. So my second argument is about imperial bureaucracy. Empires re rely on heavily complicated bureaucratic systems. Due to the lack of national cohesion from national identity, empires and federal structures are heavily dependent on this kind of bureaucracies. The job is to keep the different provinces and member states in line. But bureaucracy in nature is not democratic. It is designed to execute centralized decision. In this top-down model, there isn't any opportunity to channel in grassroots initiatives, which by the end of the day means the lack of popular support and representing the needs of the majority. That is why there cannot be democratic majority in an empire and the subordinates are artificially divided into very different minority groups. This undesirable process can be studied closely if you look at how the Roman Empire managed to conquer its provinces. They made them act against each other and finally extended its rule over them. This is a well-known divide and conquer strategy. My third point claims that only nation states can have a well-functioning democracy. This point comes from the uh, my first two points. Due to the fact the national identity is working as a social glue, unlike imperial ideology, it can provide the common ground for healthy democratic policy and decision making. Nation states are obliged to create majority support for every de decision made by the community, because unlike imperial elites, democratically elected politicians can be detached, unfortunately. Um, depending on the majority view, nation-state democracies need to make decisions in accordance with the public opinion. One can try to defy it, but cannot be had in power for a long period of time. Without nation-state, there cannot be true political accountability. And without political accountability, political power drifts away from the community it should represent. My fourth argument is about efficient decision-making. Large imperial bureaucracies, which need to struggle with the lack of political consensus, are ineffective in decisive situation. Top-down structures means that decisions of every issue, whether it's a smaller local problem or it is of a larger scale, should be made on the top of bureaucratic bodies. Every aspect of life is organized from the imperial center, which tends to regulate everything imaginable. This immense level of complexity gets easily rigid and inflexible. 
the EU founding father, Konrad Adenauer, said, as soon as you are complicated, you are ineffectual. These imperial megastructures are always slow and inefficient, which is clearly a disadvantage in every crisis situation. My fifth and final argument has a sad current aspect. This current aspect is war. Despite the fact that nation states are portrayed as warmongers, in reality, it is the empire who wages war. The nature of nation states is peace. That is the reason why in the current situation everybody is obviously sympathetic towards Ukraine and condemn the Russian aggression. An empire can only conquer. Its main goal uh, is to expand and become rich at the expense of others. A nation can only survive if it lives in peace, maintains order and thrives on hard work. Therefore, those who love his homeland, love his nation, can only be interested in peace. To conclude my point, I always try to mock, actually, Joram, that it is very delightful that he came up with the idea of national conservatism, but actually Hungarians have been participating in it for more like 1,000 years. Fortunate, fortunately for him, this fact does not fall within the scope of Article 13 of the EU copyright legislation. So he can run away with his ideas freely. But according to my understanding, it is always better to look at Hungary as a pilot project of national conservatism. Our national conservatism is not an academic one, but tested in everyday political struggle and practice. And I can report to you, the experiments seem to me success. Hungarian economy is stronger than ever, ever before. Employment rates are uh, uh, record high. We are investing in our military and cherishing our cultural heritage at the same time. It, as it was mentioned by Minister Varga, as it goes well, Hungarian government will win the election on the 3rd of April, and we can continue our efforts. We will remain dedicated to the families. We say no to mass migration, and we keep up the commitment of defending our borders. Meanwhile, we open our borders and hearts um, in front of the refugees. And we will protect our children through referendum from the LGBTQ propaganda, which already captured the kindergartens and the elementary schools of some Western societies. As we are saying in the campaign, a father is a man, a mother is a woman, and please let alone our children, full stop. But this does not mean that there would not be problems. We in, in Hungary are really worried for the future of the European Union. It seems that this great institution has been, a captive of prog has been captive by progressives and the followers of the progressive ideologies. Try to do away with European nation states, national cultures and sovereignty. This is the opposite of what Europe should do. As a founding father, I see that De Gasperi, who was definitely not a national conservative, once said, in Europe, we go forward together in freedom. The freedom of ideas, freedom of identities, freedom of nations. This is what made the EU successful in the past. EU cannot be strong if it's not based on the capacities of member states, but rather some, some, some crazy imperialistic ideologies. Today, we see progressives try to execute 
an ideological jihad on everybody who thinks differently. The tension generated by the legal procedures and harsh criticism does not help to be united in this time of crisis. On contrary, we suggest that progressives and conservatives of the EU should, aside, should set aside their differences and focus on practical cooperation, economic cooperation, competitiveness, defense cooperation, high-tech industry cooperation, and all the things that are needed for Europe to be successful in the 21st century. Despite the differences in opinions, Hungary is committed to dialogue about the European Union. Every debate can be settled by peaceful means, by the power of words. As Adorius Huxley said, words can be like x-rays if you use them properly. They will go through anything. Not only words, but ideas can, only, can also go through anything. I would encourage you to never forget that the idea of nation, nation states and national interest, which is the basic pillar of peaceful European cooperation, and it should be represented on a European level as well. It's nothing else, but this is the most powerful X-ray in contemporary European politics. Thank you very much for your attention. <laughs>